on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. It's Gerald McCoy. All episode, we talk retirement, his NFL career, his time at OU, acting. We get into a lot, and that's it. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, May 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of May, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, recording this on Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, uh, it's not very often where we just say, you know what? There's no plan for the episode except for we're doing this interview and we'll just see where it goes. (laughs) And that's exactly the plan with Gerald McCoy, right? No winners and losers, no national college football roundup, none of that. It's just... It's just all McCoy. That's all we need when he is a guest on here. You kind of end up hitting all of that anyways with him, man. You can hit all topics. You can hit National Football League, college, uh, pop culture. You get it all with uh, with GK, man. He's there, awesome. There's no doubt. And we've hit the part of the calendar, right, in, in college football where you know things get a little uneventful, but uh, we're going to do our best to get former players on, uh, is get get as many interesting guests as we can. Also, we are we're going to explore the option of you know talking to more members of OU staff and maybe even some current players if we can get the green light for all that. So so we're working hard, people. We're working hard, but let's not keep these people waiting anymore. <laughs> Here is it. I mean, he's Gerald McCoy, ladies and gentlemen. He's the best. It is our pleasure to be joined by one of the best players in the history of Oklahoma football. He was a six-time pro bowler in his 11-year NFL career. Gerald McCoy is in the house. Retired Gerald McCoy is in the house. GK, what's going on, man? What's happening, fellas? Y'all doing all right? Doing good. You Great. You're retired now. Do you get the uh, the panic attacks every now and then that you're supposed to be somewhere, supposed uh, to be in a meeting, supposed to be at a workout? 
Uh, no, nah, they haven't hit me yet. I um, because I had these couple injuries the last couple of years. I think I got most of those out the way. You know, at this point, I had panic attacks about not waking the kids up for school. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, no, I'm I'm over that. But I I actually still get up. I get up every morning around four thirty to go to the gym still. So, um, I don't miss much in the morning. That yeah. I was about to say four thirty. My goodness, now okay, let let's start with your retirement, right? Because you officially announced your retirement. I think it was April fourteenth when mm-hmm. you put the video out there. Just you know, what type of emotions did you have kind of hit and send on that and if and making it official? <laughs> um, you know, it's crazy as I was um I had planned on doing it on my birthday, which was February twenty fifth, but some things fell through. Had some uh had to push some things back, kinda how I wanted to do it. Um didn't work out how I wanted to, so I had been planning this for a little bit, but then eventually I was just like, screw it, man. I'm just put it out. And uh, my wife and I talked, she was like, just, I mean, do it, you know, this week. And I'm thinking, okay, when should I do it? So I talked to my marketing team and I was on the carton show on FS1. And they was like, you might as well like release it while you're on the show. So it could be a segment. And I was like, hmm, smart. So that's what I did. I gave the producers heads up and I did. And actually... <laughs> People retire, they like, oh, I want to do it my way. I want to say it, you know, whatever. I hadn't even send it. I had one of my one of my marketing team members send it. Like he was going back and forth. He was like, okay, we got it mapped out, this, this, and this. I was like, all right, let me know when it's when it's out. And like we was on commercial break. He was like, gee, it's up. I was like, all right, cool. I didn't even have my phone. So I didn't see <laughs> like <laughs> any reactions or nothing until like an hour later, you know. So Well, now that you're you know you're done. Right. Like it's over. Like, how are you with it mentally? Like, how are you? As you look back at everything, and um, like you, did you get everything out of the NFL that you wanted? Yeah, I believe I did. You know, um, there's some obviously all of us. You know, at times, well, not all of us, but I was. You know what? I'm gonna say all of us because even Tom Brady had trouble giving it up, and he had seven rings, MVPs, like being crowned a goat and he still couldn't let it go so if a person like that had issues like moving on I think all of us do at a point but for me it's just like man I can't do another 907 like I don't want to do a 907 I don't want to play the run I don't want to do none of that and I told myself when I get to the point to where I don't want to do that anymore I know I'm done and yeah I'm done man like I love I still can train I would still do an individual period, like bag drills, hit the sled, all that. I could do all that. But all the other stuff, no, nah, I'm good on it. So yeah. you are you're, – you're one of the hardest working people I've been around mm-hmm. in my football career. And was it – did it make it any better that – the reason you retired is because of injuries, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not because – Absolutely. It's the not because you didn't reason. still have it. You know what the I mean? The single you know reason I, mean? I retired is because of injuries. I want everybody to know that. I wasn't done playing, but your body talks to you, and your body says, hey, listen, I I, I need you to <laughs> – I need you to take it easy on me. Yeah. So did that make it any better in a way? Like, because you know you still – like, you still have – the get off and the hands and like all Absolutely. that, like the skill set. Absolutely. Did it make it any better that, okay, like, Hey, the only reason I'm having to do this is injuries. Like, Did, did that make it any easier? No, I made it harder because it wasn't, you know, it's okay. I think it's, 
This is just me. I don't know. I think it's easier being told, okay, you just don't have it, than knowing you have it and can't do nothing about it. You know, it's like, it's almost like um, looking through a glass window or a glass door and you see something taking place that you know you can handle or know you can fix, but you can't do it because you can't get in the door. And um, that's how I felt with my injuries. It was like, I know know I'm better than him. I'm for sure better than him. I know I can add value to a team, but these injuries, man, and that was the hardest part, like letting go due to injuries because – in my mind, I had my career mapped out. I would be done when I wanted to be um, because I worked hard enough to do that. I prepared the right way. Um, I played this game the right way. On and off the field, I did what was necessary. So I always had a plan of when I'm ready to be done, that's when I'll be done. Not injuries are going to take me out. And that was tough to deal with. But once I came to grips with it and – Certain things started happening in my life, like my schedule started getting really tight. I couldn't go train like I wanted to. I couldn't put in the hours like I was used to when I was actually with a team. Um, You know, my kids, their schedules picked up and all that. It was kind of like God was like, yeah, that's it. And then that's when I came to realization, okay, it's time to move forward. And I was okay with it. It took a while, but once I got there, I was so at peace. You know, a lot of people – I was nervous at first because I was in like very, very, very deep turmoil about being done. And then all of a sudden it just clicked. And I was like, oh, this ain't bad at all. (laughs) I'm good, man. All that. Yeah, they can have it. They can have it. You got anything that you've been waiting to do? I I mean, you're active on all the social Mm -hmm. media stuff. You got stuff you want to do. but is there something that's that you've been waiting on until you retired that you want to jump into, or you just got, you know, kind of take things as they come? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I hired a broadcaster agent, so I'm going to be on TV a lot, and that's the plan moving forward. But really, my ultimate goal is I want to act. I I love acting. I didn't realize it like how much I loved it until I was at OU, in the midst of being an All American defensive lineman for the greatest university in the world, and I'm sitting at. 9 30 10 o'clock at night sitting at the theater on campus <clears throat> excuse me watching a play by myself in the back and people ask me like Gerald what are you doing here I'm like I ain't think you're doing here I'm watching the play <laughs> you know they like no but why are you here do you know I don't know anybody I just they put on a play I want to come see it and I realized then like gee this is probably what you really want to do like you love football but like you love this too and I couldn't put the hours in with uh, acting classes or preparation for it, but I can now. I've actually been writing scripts, you know, doing like I just there's a lot I want to do. So I, I got some business ventures I'm working on, and yeah, I'm excited about all of it. So you're telling me that there's a little more to your retirement plan than just trolling Texas fans on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, screw them. But yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I. I want to ask you a little more. Now we do need to get yeah. into that, but so how serious are we talking about this acting thing? Like it, it sounds like that you are extremely, you, you want to go all in on it. Yeah, I do. I have acting friends. They've been sending me scripts. Like there's a, um, I'll say a little bit about one. Basically it's almost like a, um, shoot, essentially almost my story. It's a, uh, not, not, not like a rejected, but kind of like a, uh, 
older vet football player who ends up being a mentor and coach at a local high school, you know, and it's a comedy slash family movie. And um, he sent it to me. He's actually been in a lot of stuff. I won't say who it is because I won't give nothing away, but he's been in a lot of stuff, very popular show. He was a main character on there. And he sent me the script. He sent me three, but one of the scripts he sent me, I was like, Oh, I could do that. I would have to work for it, but I could play that person, you know? And um, then one of my, I, I have a lot of inspirations. One Teddy you played with being Tommy Harris, um, Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather, but Kobe Bryant is like, you know, one of my top, top inspirations. And when he retired, he wrote that um, short film to basketball that got him, you know, actually an Oscar. He won an Oscar for it. And it started making me think, gee, you got a lot of stories to tell. You should just start writing them down. And that's what I've been doing. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I don't know where they're going to go, but I've been, um, I've been doing a lot of writing. You know, and I I don't even know how to do it. I'm just writing writing it down. You know, I have a cousin who majored in literature in college, so she could help me if necessary. But I'm kind of just writing these ideas down so I don't lose them. You know, no, uh, it's I think that's that's awesome. I'm I'm interested in like how does that? We're football players, right? When you practice football, you go to the gym, mm -hmm. you go do drills, you work on conditioning, you watch yes. film. How do you work on like the acting stuff? Like what's the yeah. process there? Well, for me, everything I learned, like even me improving in, in football, um, it's just, I would watch it nonstop. So um, when I was at OU from my red shirt year, all the way, I say right to the spring of my going into my red shirt sophomore year, the year we went to the national championship. I had all of Tommy Harris's uh, tapes from his 2003 season, all his game tapes, even some practice tapes. And I watched them over and over and over and over and over again until I could like see what he was doing, mimic his steps, started infiltrating it, you know, mixing it into my game. And that's how I improved. I do the same thing with acting. So the first thing I do, and I've been doing this, and that's what I'm saying, I didn't realize – how much I was into this until I really started thinking about it. The first thing I do when I get new movies or something comes out, I always buy like the try and get the director's cut and get the, um, the behind the scenes stuff. I watch all of that before I watch the movie again. Cause I like to see what goes into it. Um, you know, like the, the cinematography, what the director was thinking. Um, are there certain moments that happen in the movie where the actor actually improv it? And that's how I've been, that's how I really study it. And then on top of that, starting to take classes, which I haven't started yet, because I got a lot of, <laughs> I mean, when you retire, you get a lot of free time, man. So you get, <laughs> I've been doing a lot, but yeah, I'm going to start these classes. But yeah, that's initially how I plan on getting into it moving forward. That's exciting, man. I am, I, I'm excited to see where it goes. I know this. Yeah. I, I kind of expect you to be a famous actor now. Just yeah. knowing you, man. I, I got high expectations. Yeah, I'm working on it, man. It's a one day at a time, man. I actually did a uh, thing called the Pro Hollywood Boot Camp back in 2014. The NFL puts on, and we had to go to a seminar for four days, I believe it was. And we did uh, classes for two straight days, all day. We did cinematography, videography, 
uh, producing, actor, directing. They put us through like a whole training camp's days worth of classes for two days. And then we had to actually shoot short films. So we had to, everybody had to pick something. You had to either be the sound man, you had to do the videographer, you had to be the director, the producer, or you had to act. Obviously I did the acting and they put us through a whole process. So they had real life, like, uh, directors there that were like worked in Hollywood and they like walked us through it. So we had to go through like auditions and callbacks and all like all of these different things. And then the following day we um, filmed a short film, which took us 13 hours to shoot a five minute movie. <laughs> 13. And obviously the professionals, it wouldn't take that long, but us, because we don't know what we're doing. It took us 13 <laughs> hours to get five minutes worth of film. And then the next day we had like a movie premiere and all of that. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. And I got to meet a lot of actors then. And I knew then when we were doing it, I said, yeah, I could do this. Cause like, I mean, we went through, we dealt with Schmitty. You think like <laughs> being on a, a studio lot, I mean, it's tiring, but nah, I can handle it. Yeah. Well, you've got, obviously you have a ton of interests. Um, mm -hmm. And, and things that you've been like pursuing in, in to some degree for a long time. Right. Is, is football one of them? Because it's interesting. Everyone expects football players yeah. to be football fans. Yeah. And it doesn't always, doesn't always necessarily work that way. And I know you, you obviously follow OU, yes. but you think you'll be following the NFL close? Yeah, I think maybe, you know, I'll follow the teams that gave you opportunity. You know, the Bucks is my favorite team growing up, so I'm always tied to them. I'll follow Carolina, the Raiders, of course, because I got buddies still in there, and the Cowboys is like you're forced to follow them. So, you know, um, other than that, I mean, I got some friends. We talk about it, and football is still my number one love, always will be. I mean, I put so much into it, and I just love but like it's hard for me to watch bad football and not say something about it. Or even if I'm at my son's practices or somewhere, a teenager I see doing something, I just be like, stop, don't do that. Like that's <laughs> not going to work. I promise you, you know, like I can't. Yeah. So yeah, I love football. I'm always going like Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, even Friday. Now I'll be watching, you know, but uh, locked in as much as I was, I can't say I'll run to the TV every time. Like I used to, but, We'll see. You so it sounds like you know, with the TV stuff that you're getting mm -hmm. lined up with with the you know, the heavy interest in acting. All right. It does it doesn't sound like coaching's in the future because it, it's one of those things like coaching, you you've seen it firsthand. Like it can consume you. So Absolutely. I know a lot of people they see how active you are on social media and they're like, Hey, he's gonna come back and join the staff for OU, something like that. <laughs> I'm assuming that's not in your future plans. And not at the moment, no. You know, I hate to break it to you fans, but I don't think you understand what goes into coaching. Now, I have had phone conversations. My phone has rang, and I have gotten messages about helping recruit, for sure. That has happened. So, fans, that's not breaking news. I said that online, but whatever. I have been, like, approached about helping be a recruiter, at least, like, Seal the deal recruiter, but I mean, I don't have to do nothing. I don't want to have to do anything. So if I can't give my university everything I got, you know, I just don't want to do it. Like I'll just be a 
a Twitter recruiter from right now. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing to it's one thing to do it, have a couple conversations every now right. and then. It's another thing to pack in fourteen hours a day Man. nonstop. It's Oof. crazy how much they work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nonstop. I don't think the fans know how much they work and I used to see like my NFL coaches grinding, but I don't think they understand like for a college coach, because you do all those hours and then you gotta you might we all seen it. Your coach might not be in the Friday meeting because they somewhere recruiting. You just see them Saturday at the team meeting or at the game. You know, that's just how it is sometimes. So looking at looking at college football now, right? It's different. It's different than when you played, when Teddy played, even when I played mm-hmm. now with how, you know, the transfer portal works with NIL. Now, like, what what do you think about kind Come of this, free agency? Yeah, free, the open free agency. Yeah, free what, agency. What, what do you think about this new version of college football? Uh, you know, I always think about this question, and I had a, I had an interview with ESPN the other day, and they we were talking about this, and they asked me my thoughts. And I had to take a second to think about it because I didn't want to jump out the window and be one of those old heads, those those hating old heads. Um, do I think the kids should be compensated? Absolutely. I think all of us should have been, and I think it should continue. My only issue is not even an issue. I think it should be a cap. I think it only should be so much because there's kids getting paid higher than some NFL players, you know, and the the whole thought process around being a professional is you're at the highest level of what you do. So if you're at the highest level, you should get paid at the highest level. And if you got people at this level getting paid more than people at this level, I think it's kind of, you know, especially people who've been around or stay around, it's very difficult to stay around the NFL. So you got kids making more, um, I don't want to knock it because I feel like in my time I would have been one of them kids making more. Yeah, so I don't want definitely would have been. <laughs> I don't want to knock it completely, but I just think it should be like a cap, you know, because it's think backwards about this. too. It's yeah, like about, high school kids. It starts at high school, and then that's, goes back. that's what I'm saying. Like it's you got kids that signing deals that's up to. I mean, if you know the business, you know nobody's making eight million dollars, but it's up to eight million dollars. Think about a high school kid. You see this and you reading this like eight million dollars. I get this in high school. Then kids lose sight of really what goes into the grind of being great at what you do. It's like these social media kids, and I mean, he got looked at because he was at this, and he got looked at. So everything's about social media now. And then what do you tell a kid? Like back when we was grinding, we was grinding, and then we leave. Yes, we had the calf, but we might be looking around like, shoot, the heck am I gonna get food from? You know, like that was there was times like that. Like we was all, you know, you might have your hookups in Norman or whatever, but these kids now they coming in with designer clothes and diamond chains. And it's like, what is a coach gonna tell a kid that's making more than them? <laughs> you tell a 17, 18, 19 year old kid and this grown man telling him, do this, be here on time, this is and he like, coach, I make more than you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just I don't know. What I don't like. The NIL I can handle. I mean, it is what it is. I think it should be a cap, but kids should get compensated. What I don't like is free agency, the portal. It's too accessible. It's too, like, there's just, ah, uh, go through spring, didn't like it, I'm out. Go through the half a season, didn't like it, I'm out. 
go here. It's just, you know, and I had people that gave me pushback, like, gee, coaches do it. And I'm like, yeah, coaches are under contract and take it, shake it, move or whatever. But kids are not, it's just, it's not making kids like the dog in these kids is just, it's not the same. Cause it's like, it got tough. I didn't get the playing time I wanted or this coach, he didn't like me. So I'm going to go over here. And it takes away from the high schoolers that are getting recruited. Like being a five-star don't matter anymore. Like It doesn't matter. It used to be a big deal. Now it's like, yeah, he's a five-star recruit, but coaches will tell you, if I can go to the portal and get a kid that I know can play over a kid that's a maybe because he looks good against high schoolers, you know, so the portal, the whole portal thing is like, I think it should be just done differently. I don't know what the answer is, but the fact that a kid can just go to spring ball, not like it, and be like, yeah, I'm out. Is you know, There's got to be some balance. Like, yeah. there's no like, – like you got to stay for two years at least or something like that. Anything something. like if you transfer in, you can't just use a semester and then transfer back out. Like if you go in, you got to stay there for at least a year or something. But these kids just go. I don't like it. The first spring I'm out. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's well, you know, and it, it goes, it goes back to the still very few kids go to the NFL from college. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, ultimately what, what you got to do is be teaching some life skills and yes. it's not a representation of real life. It's a, no. it's setting kids up for a, a bad view of how things go. You've got to have, there's got to be some type of consequences to different decisions instead of just being able to, to bounce wherever. But <laughs> I think we're getting into the, we're, we're teetering on the edge of being the old heads like you're yeah, well, about. I know that's what I'm saying. And I don't want to be that guy, but it's just like, you know, I got kids. I got a son in college. I got a daughter who's about to go to college. I got three more kids after that. And how I teach them, I just teach them to be a certain way. And because things get tough, you quit is not the way. Like, here's a story for all the fans. I wanted to leave OU when I was a freshman. I got red-shirted. That spring, I was dealing with Jackie Ship. I got tired of it. I didn't want to deal with it no more. I called home to my mom like, hey, I'm done. She hung up on me. I called her back. I said, hey, no, mama, did something happen? She said, no, I hung up the phone. I said, what happened? She was like, hey, man, just go back to practice, man. I ain't trying to hear that. And she hung up the phone. I was like, dang. And that's how I grew up. She made me grow up. Like, stop being a, cry like, stop being a punk. Like, deal with your coach. Go to practice. If you don't like what's happening, do something about it. And I did. But these kids, like, oh, I don't like my coach. I'm going to hop in the portal. I'm going to get out of here. And that moment made me a lot tougher. And you teaching these kids that when life don't go your way, you just quit and go somewhere else. And that's not how it works. It's just – and it's turning college football into a business, which is what the NFL is supposed to be. Instead of college – the purity of college football being a game, opposed to the NFL being a business, is like – so anyway, I love OU. The rest of the BS, I don't deal with. It's well, too much for me. I think that that – just to add on to that real quickly, I, I cannot – I love Coach Venables. Mm -hmm. But he made my life hell, like mm -hmm. total hell. Absolutely. And I can't say that had the rules been like they are now that I wouldn't have stuck it out and, and – you know, and gone through that misery to, yeah. to get to where I ended up. I, I can't say that for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been very tempting to say, I'm going to go somewhere where 
it feels like someone wants you know like yeah, i don't know for sure. so how many people how many how many players may have been affected by that and gone and taken what appeared to be an easier route and you know and it just it never materialized to what they ended up i don't know yeah, for and sure. i guess there's the flip side of that coin too that maybe some guys would have had some better opportunities but i don't know i feel like feel like it's always worth more to persevere through the tough situation than it is to go find an easier one. For sure. For sure. We'll get you back to the interview. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also have you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life and better yourself comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. Their food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, back to the interview. Well, there's also there's also my story, which Kevin Wilson, <laughs> we... Gerald was around Kevin Wilson. I think we all had I would him. I was, was all around Wilson. Individual <laughs> and tight end individual at the time was insane. My two partners in individual were two guys named Jermaine Gresham and Lane Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then Jackie Ship was the one that would have gotten me to transfer because about it was week one heading into the BYU game. He was like, Gabe, you're gonna come play scout team center against Gerald and Adrian. Because you're the only <laughs> one that likes trying over here and likes to block. Right. So, and then they moved me to offensive line during the next spring. So you can imagine I, if the portal would have been available to me, I, it was always my dream to play OU, to play at OU, but gee, I don't know what I would have done, man. You were yeah. making my life miserable on a daily basis. <laughs> I was forced to, man. I, oh shit. Like I'm, I practice extremely hard. Like I practice very, very hard. Can but confirm. Here's, here's the thing. I also know that because we doing so many reps, I know how to gauge and go to a speed to where we can get our work in and not kill each other. And I wasn't allowed that luxury <laughs> at college, man. Like I, Coach Shit was not having it, man. He was, he was not having it. Like I want him to be like this, and I'm like, man, all right, man. So I was a lot younger then. I could go a hundred miles. We didn't know no better, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's fun times. Hopefully it um it 
it all works out. I feel like the the NIL stuff and maybe even the portal is going to calm down after this initial craziness. But would you would you think of Coach Venables number one coming back and you know the the first year it was it was ugly. Let's call it what right. it was. It was ugly. What did you see there? What do you what do you think the future looks like? Just kind of state of the program in your mind. Yeah. Um. I mean, last year I did some interviews and. I want to address some of these scumbags online that said we have the worst fan base. Uh, first off, uh, I'm retired now, so I can say what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all suck. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Y'all show sucks. And uh, don't ever disrespect my school, players, coaches, or fans. Um, they said that we are – we have the worst fan base because a coach with a resume like Brent Venables decides to come back and fan, which is short for fanatic, got overly excited and was happy that their school was going to win. And when it didn't happen, the same fan base said, well, you know what? It was a rebuild year and, you know, we'll be okay. And they said that we were, our fans were idiots because they said that we were going to win and then we didn't. They said, oh, we wasn't supposed to. Yeah, that's how it works. Once you finally, like, realize, like, okay, we didn't have the right team. We had injuries. We had this and this. That's what fan bases do. But because a fan base was excited about a coach like Brent Venables, and then when it didn't turn out, instead of them bashing him or the team, they were accepting of the fact that it was a rebuild year with their idiots? Okay. Uh you guys suck, and I just want y'all to know that. And, um, yes, when this gets posted, I will tag them and let them know. I was talking directly to y'all, and y'all suck, and I'll, don't ever I'll, disrespect uh, my school. Yeah, I'll make it into a clip for you, yes, and I'll send it thank to you. you. And, yeah, um, <laughs> now, back to BV, um, I'm extremely excited about the future. Last year when I did a lot of interviews, I said that this would – like the fans, I tried to warn them, like, temper your expectations. It's okay. You know, uh, big game Bob, his first year wasn't great. Then here we come with a natty, and then the rest is history. Now he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, we lost a lot of players, one being the Heisman Trophy winner. Mm. You have the Heisman Trophy winner on your team, and then you lose him. Yes, that's a huge drop-off. So, like, come on, man. Like, um, but I trust BV. He brought all the right people in, brought people in from our time, coaches and players. And um, I think we on the up and up. I believe we on the up and up. And he's getting the right players in, uh, the right type of players. You know, you can have guys in that are talented or some guys, we've all been around them, guys that were not overly talented, but they worked hard enough. They turned themselves into something. I don't know if we had that last year. I'm not saying we didn't, but I don't know if we did. But me personally, I just don't know if we had everything necessary to be who OU is supposed to be. But moving forward, I believe everything's going to be going up. So I'm excited with BV at the helm. He's a winner. He knows how to win. Teddy just let you know he knows how to push guys into being great, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and talking to him, he's calmed down a whole lot. He's kind of he's evolved and understand he can't be this way as a head coach. So, I believe that 
group all that together, we on the up and up. And I'm not worried about the SEC at all. I'm not worried about nothing we about to face. I'm always going to rock with my school regardless because I believe eventually we'll figure it out. We always do. So that's how I feel. Won a lot of games for a long time. And you you mentioned, you know. Before you say that, hey, you stupid Texas fans. Okay. Uh, Okay. So 06, I didn't play. So when y'all say I was three and one, I didn't play. I was reassured. Okay. 07, we won. 08, um, I think uh, people forget that we were up 14 on Texas and then Ryan Reynolds got hurt. I think people, it's just like, Lou, this is like goes out of everybody's mind that our starting line, middle linebacker went out. And then all of a sudden, Texas offense started clicking. So our middle linebacker, who was destroying everything in the game, goes out the game. And then all of a sudden, Texas offense starts working. And nobody says, oh, maybe it was Ryan Reynolds leaving the game. We had guys that had never played coming in trying to fill in for him. Yeah, it's a huge hole in, in the game. And then the following year, no Sam Bradford, no Jermaine Gresham, and y'all won by three points. Y'all suck. Texas, <laughs> y'all suck. And I, I'm never going to say that. And I just don't like y'all. And uh, I'm not afraid of any of y'all fans or players or coaches. So screw Texas. Let's move forward. Okay. I like that. I yeah. like that. I think I think and people are going to enjoy that. Clip too. <laughs> and I have found the <laughs> promo clip for the episode. <laughs> now, Gerald. Uh, I, I do want to talk about your NFL career mm-hmm. because just a wildly successful career, but you know, you go back and you look at those first two years, right? Back-to-back yeah. injuries. Mm-hmm. W- was there ever a moment in your head where you're like, man, like, because it was biceps both times. Like, was yeah, there yeah. ever that moment where you're like, Hey, this, this thing may not get going. Right. It was it, it, the reason it was, I was really more confused. Cause I'm like, man, I know <laughs> We are Smitty built. Like, that's a term we use. Like, you think it like, ah, man, we are just built different. But honestly, Smitty built is more like a mentality, how we grind, knowing how to push through things. But, I mean, being Smitty built also can bring a lot of injuries because we did work extremely hard. So those first two years were really, like, tough on me because, one, how much I had put into the game, how much I loved it, Um, expectations, you know, coming into OU, being ranked really high, and then red shirt and was like, mm, but I fought through it. And then getting drafted really high, and then starting my first two years with injuries was like, here we go again. But I just thought back, and my wife really helped me. Like, I was sitting one day in uh, my theater, and I was just sitting there looking, like, kind of just looking with this blank stare, and she walked in. She's like, why are you just sitting there? I was like, I don't know. I just ain't. She was like, are you going to sit here and sulk? And be a punk, or are you gonna get up and do something about it? And when she said that, it just like clicked to me because I'm like, you ain't gonna call me no punk, you know. <laughs> just, you know, and I just, uh, it just something clicked, and I said, you know what? Everybody who doesn't believe that I can be what I said I'm going to be, I'm gonna show them. And from that point on, just you know, was there a was there a teammate or a coach or anyone that had uh? a special influence on you at any point early in your career that maybe put you on the right path or, or, you know, gave you a couple of things that you really use for the rest of your career. Yeah. You played with one. His name is Davin Joseph. Um, my first practice with Davin, (laughs) Davin was a bully. My first practice with Davin, we was in, uh, OTAs and 
Davin was like, man, it's great to have you on the team. You know, having another sooner here. Like, we could talk our noise. But then he put the Davin's hands about this big. He put his hand on my shoulder <laughs> like this. Like, you remember at 300 when Xerxes, like, grabbed uh, Leonidas' <laughs> shoulders like that? He put his hand on my shoulder and he patted me. And he was like, hey, listen, whatever happened out there today, just know it's not personal. It's football. I said, the heck does that mean? And <laughs> we got out there, OTAs. I mean, he was snatching me all over the place. It's just like, I was like, oh, I get it now. And that point moving forward, me and Davin, we went at it. We went at it. And Davin made me really, Davin, I owe him a lot because of how we competed in practice. But more importantly, Davin is who taught me how to be one of the people who taught me how to be a pro. He taught me the difference in being a professional and a pro. A professional, once you get drafted, you're technically a professional. But being a pro is your diet, showing up early, not on time, showing up early, staying late, making sure you take care of your body, um, how you practice, how you prepare the film you're watching, mindset, all of that. Davin was the initial person who showed me those things. And then I went in the offseason or work out with Drew Brees and Darren Sproles and people of that magnitude. Then um, talking to Tommy, talking to Tommy and some other guys. And then in 2012, we got Vincent Jackson. Uh, you know, Vincent Jackson passed away recently, but Vincent Jackson's nickname was the ultimate pro. And how he carried himself, how he moved. I watched his interviews, how he speak to people, everything. And it really showed me like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be done. And you just be yourself within this mold. And I mean, that's what helped me. Those, those people for sure, there's other people, but those people for sure, because they were a lot older and had done it before. So Davin was the first one though. So it, it sounds like, those guys were mentors when it came to, you know, how to conduct yourself, how to put the work in. But as far as the defensive line piece mm -hmm. of things, you meant, you mentioned Tommy Harris and watching all that stuff of him mm -hmm. when you were in college, were there any other guys that really influenced the way that you played like guys that you really studied? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like you mentioned Tommy already, uh, Kevin Williams was one of the first ones to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Loved the way he played. You know, he's a bigger guy. He went to OSU, um, but whatever. He's still in the state. I still I'll love say, him. Hey, yeah. I ain't got no problem. That dude right. was a one-man yes. wrecking show at yeah. Oklahoma State. He was yeah. incredible. Kev was, Kev was that guy, man. And um, So Kevin Williams for sure. And then uh, Darnell Dockett. I used to like watching him, but – um, growing up, it was Warren Sapp, and I was blessed enough to get drafted to Tampa, and we built a really good relationship, and he would come show me some things. We would get workouts in together, then I would send him my film, and then the same thing I did with Tommy, I did with him for his 20, uh, I mean, 1999 and 2000 seasons. Those are his highest sack totals. I watched every single game from those two years over and over and over and over and over again. I said, this is the mold. If you want to be that guy, do this. And I just studied and studied and studied. I was sending him to tape. Okay, is this high? And this high supposed to look? He said, no, do this, do this, do that. Look at this, see this, and do that. And that's how my game developed. And, um, yeah. Then I just was fans around people around the league. But that was just me being a fan. But Kevin Williams, um, for sure, 
Tommy, of course, Darnell Dockett to start a little bit, and then Sapp and John Randall. Those were like the mold of the people that I really studied and watched. Who was the head coach at Tampa when you got drafted? Raheem Morris. Okay, I was. Well, I, I thought maybe he yeah. was, which he's yeah. he's great. He was. He yeah, was. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ross should get another um, head coaching job. He was the defensive coordinator when the Rams won the Super Bowl. So yeah. All right. Yeah, because I, I was trying to think of the the different schemes that you played in. Did did you ever end up in a defensive scheme that you felt like maybe wasn't taking advantage of of your skills, and you had to kind of you know, mentally it was a hard place to be, or, or did you feel like every every system you played in had, you know, you had great opportunities? My last three years in Tampa, I wasn't a fan of the scheme. The scheme wasn't bad, but it was it was built more for robots, if that makes sense. Like people who can't um, improvise or do what I can do. You know, you need a scheme that's built for people of my skill set where you're like, okay, listen. I got this thoroughbred over here. Just let him do what he does within the scheme. It was more of like, this is the scheme. Do this and do this and do this. And I still was making the Pro Bowl, still was making all pro, but that was just me being me within the scheme. But had I been allowed to do what I could do in Lovey Smith's scheme or um, even Raheem Moore's scheme, it would have been a lot different because I would have had a lot more freedom to take more chances. And, um, you know, even Greg Schiano's scheme, it was real robotic. But once he seen what I could do, he was kind of like, had I had a little leeway. Was like, Gerald, do that. Just let him do that. But, you know, everybody else. So I didn't hate the scheme, but I felt like it was, it was real robotic. Yeah. It was more scheme than about the players. You know, what's interesting about Schiano is, I I didn't realize it until later that the defense that we ran at Oklahoma whenever I was there, mm-hmm. a lot of it was based off of what Shiano had done at the Miami Hurricanes mm-hmm. uh, around that same time. There was some of the some of the same stuff that they were doing out of the overfront and and everything. So I I I've as he went on liked some of the stuff that he did, but. No, you know, our, our defensive scheme actually was really good. It was really good, but like up front because of how he was teaching how to play it. I had to, and that was right. Shiano got there um, right after coming off my second injury, which was my first Pro Bowl year in 2012. So you got Raheem Morris, who was young at the time and was more Tampa 2, kind of like be free up front, free flowing, y'all work together defend a certain way in the back end to where Shiano came in with a lot of like blitzes, like exotic blitzes. And the D line has to do more like playing more into the offensive linemen. So the linebackers can roam free opposed to the D line. Y'all go and the linebackers will read off of you. That's more of what, how I was groomed, what I was groomed in and more of what I like to do because I've never been a person who's just going to lay blocks or none of that. I understand gap integrity and things of that sort, but I'm going to go. So just know I'm going to go and disrupt to just read off of me. But once I got a rapport with uh, Levante David who Mm. played behind me, we were able to work within that scheme. And it's not ironic that 
in that scheme that Shiano, both of us had our best like statistical seasons while we were with Shiano, which is that's what I'm saying. The defensive scheme was really good. It was just some things up front was more of like not to my liking, but it didn't really prohibit as much as you would think. You got to find the balance between yeah, absolutely. discipline and creativity, right? Yeah, and absolutely. There's always that. It's always a moving target. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, back to the interview. Yeah. Now, Gerald... When you were in, what, Tampa, nine years, right? Yes. Long stretch. You you became the face of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember pulling up to the Bucks Stadium, and it was just a giant picture of you on the side of it. Right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to play in Tampa. And I was just yeah. like, damn, man. Like, he's he's a defensive tackle. But you were you were the face of the franchise. What what was that like, right? Being You're, you're the face of an, an right, entire right. NFL organization. Yeah, I mean, it was cool, it was fun, but I, I relished that moment because that's how I was raised to be. You know, I never shied away from being in the front. I, I believe that's why I was a captain on every team I was on. Uh, one, how I worked, how I showed up, uh, my integrity, and what I what I asked of – I remember Michael Jordan in the last dance said he never asked his teammates to do anything he wasn't willing to do or was already doing. And that's how I always believed – and because I knew I was a madman up, up, you know, in my head, and I did a lot of out-of-the-box things as far as, like, my training or in practice mode or whatever I did. Like, we used to do um, – y'all know phase one and phase two. You know, phase one, this is for the fans. I'm explaining. They know. But phase one, you come in. And this is the NFL, offseason. You do your workouts. And then um, phase two, you can do, like, on-field stuff with your coaches – you can do uh, walkthroughs. You can get on on uh, the trash cans and go through the defense. And then phase three is the OTAs, and then you got mini camp. Well, in phase two, when we was going from station to station, I did all my workouts wearing a 15-pound weight vest. 
because I would wanted to simulate wearing pads. So I always did that. So we'd be running around. Everybody's looking at me like, man, this dude is insane. I would never ask my teammates to put on a weight vest and run around. That's the insanity up here. But what I would do is if I can do this with a weight vest on, you can run without one. We shouldn't be walking anywhere. We should be running everywhere we go. We should be. And a lot of that pushed me to the forefront because I wasn't afraid to say anything. And being the face of the franchise, it comes with a lot. As a defensive lineman, you can impact the game and you can wreck a game, but you can go get a, a key sack in the game and get the offense the ball back. But if they don't go score, then so realistically, you can only do so much opposed to a quarterback. If you got the right one, you're going to be hard to beat. Patrick Mahomes just showed that even with his messed up ankle, you got the right guy. It don't matter. He don't have to put these insane numbers up, but he do necessary, then you're going to be a pretty good team. For me, with a lot of the losses we had, I took a lot of the heat because it was like, he does the most talking. We always have to hear him. We see his face and this and this and this and this. And it got tough at times, but I never shied away from it because it's like, it's all opinion. It's just words. Ain't nobody coming up here threatening the building or nothing like that. You know, you got to go home and you read and search stuff. You got to be at home. You try and leave work at work, but sometimes you bring it home. But it got tough at times when I go home, see my wife, see my kids smiling and stuff. And it was like, ah, whatever. But that was something that people dream of that I actually got to live. And it was a lot of fun. And that's why I never looked at it like a burden or like a, oh, this is tough or there's a lot of expectation. I looked at it like, man, this is the NFL. And when people pull up, they see your face. When they talk about the Bucks, they say your name. And when they – it was a dream. So I said, shoot, I'd never take this for granted. So I loved it. I had, I had a blast with it. That had to be so, pretty cool, too, the, to take the Selman Highway when you're going into work every day, put you absolutely. in the right mindset, right? That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Hey, Mr. Selman's restaurant was – his restaurant was elite too. I don't really know if you ever had it in Tampa, but it was really good. Now, what you you had that you had that responsibility, right? Being the face of the Bucks, and sounds like you absolutely embraced it. So, with that in mind, how how tough was it for you personally when your time in Tampa came to an end? Yeah, it was extremely tough because it wasn't supposed to. It was a disagreement between me and some higher ups. And uh, we decided to part ways. And um, I love Tampa. I always have loved Tampa. I always will love Tampa. And I believe that my time there got cut short. But I had to go because, like I said, you like to leave work at work, but work started coming home. And my wife and I would have some disagreements or arguments. You know, I wasn't um, as willing to, like, play with my kids and do stuff with my kids at the time because I was so focused on work and everything. And, um, also I had some maturing to do some growing up to do. I let a lot of stuff that if, that, if it happened to me today, I wouldn't even think twice about it affects me. And even afterwards, the following season, I thought back about it and was like, gee, that was not that serious. And, you know, I never regretted leaving Tampa, but I just feel like, um, it got cut short. So it was extremely tough for me. 
And a lot of the fans in, in Tampa thought that I was so upset that that's why I signed with the Carolina Panthers. No, I signed with the Carolina Panthers because it was the shortest flight to get back to my family. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the money worked out and I could get home in an hour, an hour and a half flight. I could be right back with my family. So that's why I signed with the Panthers. The Panthers initially wasn't even one of the teams who called for me when I signed, when I left Tampa. So it's not like I reached out like, oh, I'm going to go to my division rival. I'm going to go stay in the division so I can play Tampa. Um, it's just little kid stuff. Like, I don't – I didn't care that much, I promise you. Like, if I never played against Tampa again, I, it wouldn't bother me. You know, I just – it was easier for my family and I because I had never been away from them. Well, you mentioned, you know, as, as, as the face, there's – in a defensive line, there's only so much you can do at times to affect a game. Uh, quarterback matters a lot. So what was it like whenever you saw Tom Brady going to Tampa? You know, when I, <laughs> when I first seen him going to Tampa, I, I kept getting word, you know, cause you still know people, you keep, you get messages here. Like, hey man, I think Tom might be, Tom Brady might be on the radar to come to Tampa. I'm like, man. It started know. early. I remember that was like yeah. one of the first names that it kept popping up, and I was like, I just don't see it. Hey, going to know Tampa? Why would he go to Tampa? I, I know this is bad. I'm saying this, but I was like, he's not going to Tampa. Why would he go to Tampa? There's so many other teams out there. But then I got a phone call, text, and said, Nah, gee, this I think this thing is about to happen. I said, I believe it when I see it. And then I got a phone call like, Hey, they gonna announce it today? I'm like, Freaking, hey, Tom Brady going to Tampa? And uh, I text uh, Levante and said, "Hey man, like, how does this feel?" And his initial, this is how, this is what you know, this is when you know a person's a winner, and they know how to do things the right way. I text him and said, "Hey man, y'all just got Tom Brady. This thing is about to like y'all really are contenders now." His response to me was, "It looks good on paper, but we got so much more work to do." And that right then let me know with that mindset and with having Tom Brady, they're going to win a lot of games. Now, I didn't know that they was going to win the Super Bowl right away, but I knew with with Tay being one of the leaders of the team, bringing in a champion like Tom Brady, they was going to be all right. And it worked out for them. It really did. People act different. The locker room is different when they feel like they got a chance to win it all. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone just carries themselves differently. Yeah, yeah, you know how to you focus differently. You're not as you know you you free you play a lot freer. It's not as uptight, and you can really enjoy your workspace because you know, hey, listen, when we lock down and put this work in, like we one of the teams that's going to be extremely hard to beat. When and you were in Tampa for nine years, don't think you ever played in a playoff game. No. How did it like I'm sure you were happy with all those guys that you'd been teammates with for a while, but was there part of you sitting there going, Really? Tom Brady comes in and they win the Super Bowl like right after I leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and that's a I mean, that's a natural human feeling. It's like, God dang, all them years you couldn't leave New England a little earlier. You know, it's <laughs> like um, but overall, I was so happy for those guys because I lived in Tampa. I went through that 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 storm we went through of like being right on the cusp, and we just couldn't get over the hump. And I felt I felt great for the guys who had been there, the guys who was just getting there that had only been there a couple of years. Man, 
I mean, this is all you know at this point. Like, you don't know the struggle. But the Levantes, the Mikes, you know, uh, Chris Chris Godwin was there. Through those tough, Donovan Smith, the Ali Marpets, the Will Goldstons, people like that. Like, I didn't feel good. Like, JPP, he had won a Super Bowl before. So, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, he got a chance. I didn't, yeah. It was more the people who had, like, grinded and seen. Like, just, it was tough, man. Like, there was a lot of stuff that took place in Tampa while Will Goldston was there and Levante was there that, you look back and it's like, dang, we got through that. You know, and to see those guys win a Super Bowl like that, that was huge, huge. And I just said, please, when y'all win these things, when they won the NFC Championship, I told them, Tay, if y'all win this game, FaceTime me because I want to, like, experience the locker room. When they won the Super Bowl, I said, FaceTime me. I want to experience the locker room. The NFC Championship game, he FaceTimed me while they were celebrating. Like, you know, he put he didn't put Tom on the FaceTime, but he kind of like, you know, you got to sneak and get Tom on camera. He was like, there's Tom. And then he got it off, <laughs> you know. And um, but the Super Bowl, I'm like, bro, FaceTime me during the celebration. He FaceTimed me when the locker room was empty. He was the <laughs> last person in the locker room. He FaceTimed me like, man, his eyes was watering. He's like, gee, man, we did it. I'm like. Screw that. I missed the whole celebration. I don't want to just sit and talk to you. I want to. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. All I get is your raw feelings from your friend. I don't care about you. I want to celebrate. We could do that later. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? Skip me. Oh, you had one job. You had one job. Lock up Travis Kelsey and let me celebrate with the team. So, yeah, Mob, I was extremely excited, man. And, I was happy for those guys. I still am. That's something you can never take away. And when they have a reunion, that team is going to come back together, man. And that is something you can't take from them. And I never want fans to think that I feel like, well, I put put in all this work. You know, I laid a foundation. I did this, this, and this. Because a lot of fans and some even people that was working, I was like, Gerald, you deserve a ring. And I said, no, no, no. What I deserve is what I got. I wasn't on that team. I, I didn't go to Bruce Arians meetings. I didn't go to Todd Bowles defensive meetings. I didn't play in those games. I didn't go up to Lambeau. I didn't play in uh, Ray J for the Super I didn't do none of that. I didn't go on the road to uh, Washington. I didn't go on the road to New Orleans. I didn't go on the road to Green Bay. Those guys did that. So I never want people to think I feel like, oh, I deserve it. No, I don't. Those guys went earn that. They went won their ring, and I'm happy for them. And um, I'm always going to be happy for them. What is your relationship there? Or do you are you ever around that facility? Are you ever back around there at all? Like, yeah, yeah. last year I went to uh, see, I went to the game they played in Dallas. I went to a game versus Carolina. I went to a game versus New Orleans, and I went to the playoff game versus Cowboys. So I went to four games last year, three of them in Tampa. So yeah, I'll be around, man. And um, when I go to Tampa, I still talk to all them. I still. Text them all the time and everything. So now that I'm retired, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to actually go to the facility. Then I was still an active player, so I couldn't go. But um, I actually went to the facility because um, my son was with me, and we went to a game, and he left either his glasses or something in Levante's suite. And they took it to the facility, and they let me in the front door. You know, I got to see everybody, whatever. 
and he brought them out to me. So that's the only time I've been in the facility since I left Tampa after 2018. Nice. Now, I just have – I've got one more question, and then we do have a couple listener questions. Had a bunch mm-hmm. of people send in questions for you, GK, but that 2010 draft mm-hmm. is – like it. it's w- one of the favorite – like favorite things for OU fans, mm-hmm. right, with the way that it worked out with you, Sam, and Trent. What, what was that experience like? Hell, <laughs> it wasn't what y'all think it is. I don't care what y'all say, man. If you ever sit in that green room, you know it's not as exciting as it may seem. That green room is nerve-wracking. Um, even though I had got word, like I found out, and uh, I can say this now because I'm retired, but I found out the night before that Tampa was going to draft me. But until they call your name, you don't know. Um, Sam knew. Sue knew, I knew, Trent knew. Me and Trent shook hands and took a shot the night before because he knew he was going four and I was going three and Sam was going one. But until you hear your name, you don't know. So I'm sitting here like nervous. You walk in, you're like, man, this is really the green room. Radio City Music Hall. You walk out on the stage, y'all get a picture. And then you're looking at the time. It's like, oh, you got 10 minutes to draft go start. Then Roger Goodell walks out. And this was before they was booing him, so they was cheering for him and everything. And they say the 2010 field draft's officially now open. The uh, Rams is on the clock. And it's like, dang, this thing is happening. <laughs> and I'm talking about as soon as he said on the clock, Sam phone ring. I'm like, well, there go that one. And then uh, Sam got his phone call. He gave us a thumbs up. We was like, all right, Sam's going. Then you kind of just sitting there looking like, okay, they said Sue was going next, but I don't know. After Sam, <laughs> I hate my teammates. After Sam phone rang, my phone rang next. My cell phone rang, right? I look at it, and um, my sister's like tapping me on my shoulder. Hey, hey, answer the phone. So I answer the phone. I don't know the number. I answer the phone. It's one of my... <laughs> Gabe, it's Eric Menzik. He's calling me saying, gee, I see you on TV. Yeah. I said, bro, I am literally in the draft right now. You can't call me. I said, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, he'll tell you. He called me. He seen Sam get drafted. And he said, gee, you on TV right now, man. You at the draft, man. I said, bro, you can't do this right now. Get off my phone. <laughs> So I was just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. I want to get out of here. I got to get out of this room. So Sue's phone rang, and then I'm sitting here, and I'm supposed to get my phone call, but it didn't happen as fast as I thought. And then uh, my phone started buzzing, and my sister tapped me again. It's an 813 number. I'm like, okay, this is it. And I pick it up, and it's uh, Raheem Morris. He's like, hey, man, don't you start crying on TV. I'm like, screw that. I'm crying. You know, so – but it's a it's a once in a lifetime experience, hence why I hugged the commissioner. Cause the day before I asked him what this goes back to me being a leader and just not being afraid to be out front. We went to the NFL office and they split us up into groups. Our group went in to meet Roger Goodell. He's sitting there talking to us, and then it got dead silent in the room. Nobody said a word. Nobody said, I said, ain't nobody gonna talk. I said, we in the commissioner's office and don't nobody got nothing to say. 
screw it. I'll talk. So I just started, me and Mr. Goodell started having a conversation back and forth. And they all just sitting here, they laughing and stuff, but nobody's like getting it. So we just talking. I said, hey, what's the like craziest thing you would allow on stage or what's, you know, what what can we do on stage? So he said, listen, all I want you to do is be yourself. Show that you love the game. And me hugging him, I'm from Oklahoma. That's what we do. Me hugging him was a natural reaction of joy. Like, man, forget that handshake. I'm in the league now. You know, and um, it became a thing. Now it's a, a staple in the NFL draft. You see all these kids now, they picking the commissioner up, doing handshakes and all this. And that's another first. I was the first to hug. Roger Goodell, first person he gave a nickname was to Trent. He said Trent Silverback Williams. He had right. never done that before. So we you know, oh you boys just Trent said us. That's it. Probably loosened him up after he got that big old bear hug. Yeah, it did, man. He was just cool after that. And everybody from there just was hugging him. And I think it kind of opened his eyes to like, I don't have to be so like uptight with these kids, you know. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They're family-owned and operated, and they got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. You buy a newer used car from them. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with any of the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. And you can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, back to the interview. Yeah. All right. So normally on the podcast, we do this thing called Call Your Shot, where mm -hmm. our listeners send stuff in, and we had them send in questions for you. This first one, it comes from Smoking with Seth, who says, who asks, which actor was the best Batman, and why was it Christian Bale? Michael Keaton, and it wasn't Christian Bale. Christian Bale, uh... <laughs> for those okay. of you that don't know gerald is a big batman guy I mean, he's big. a batman fan i don't have my batman chain on right now but i usually have it on but um let's clear something up okay uh michael keaton is the goat batman without a doubt without question you could argue whatever but most people will say oh i like christian bill usually it's michael keaton or christian bill right that's usually the argument who it is okay every time i ask people this i break the stuff down I had a guy online, he argued me back and forth. I said, okay, tell me Christian Bale's moment of being Batman. He couldn't give me one. I said, no, tell me his moment. You like, you don't have one for, for him. Michael Keaton has multiple. I said, okay, now, do you love the movies or do you love Christian Bale as Batman? 
And once I say this, this is what gets everybody. I said the movies were great. He was not. The movies were really good. Everything you loved about Christian Bale's Batman was a gimmick of the movie. His car, the motorcycle, all the gadgets, everything he did. There was nothing he did. His fighting style sucked. His voice sucked. The initial suit was okay. He couldn't even turn his head. Eh. So what did Christian Bale do that was so great as Batman? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That gives you something to think about. So no, it's not Christian Bale. It's definitely Michael Keaton. Kevin Conroy, I give him a good argument too. That's the animated Batman voice. But other than that, yeah, it's 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 Michael Keaton. There you go. Definitive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, just no hesitation either. I mean, yeah. Michael Keaton's got to feel good about that. All right, this next one comes from DPC Media, who asks, please ask him what his favorite Schmitty story is. My favorite mm. Schmitty story, um, I don't have, it's a lot of funny ones, but the one I remember distinctly is <laughs> one morning, he was out, it was almost like a movie script. We were out there, and uh, I don't know if y'all, Teddy, y'all used to do it, Gabe, you might remember. You might have been there then. He used to have this rope out back behind the um, um, was it the Royce? You know, it's a Roy Williams Center now, ain't it? The Roy mm -hmm. Williams workout facility, whatever. Right outside the indoor, right out back where the sand pit was. Oh yeah, and they used and you'd to have to long, jump over it. Jump over, and it went it went down like that. You used to have to go back, like go up, and then you have to start up and come down. So we was doing that. Then we got in the sand pit and it was raining. I'm talking about like dangerous rain. And Smitty is sitting here like this, literally like this. And he was like, again. And we like doing CODs, which is change direction for everybody that don't know. We doing change direction and everybody's just yelling, yelling, yelling. Again. And I'm like, hey, listen. And I think back to that moment. I'm like, listen, only something like this could have been in a movie. He showed zero emotion. He didn't say good. He didn't say that ain't good enough. He just, again. And we just <laughs> kept going, kept going. I said, this got to be illegal. It's raining. Why are we still out here? Why are we still out He was not blinking or nothing. Even, listen, Scotty and all of them was like, all right, come on now, Smitty. Like, nope, he was sitting there again. I was like, man, all right, yeah, that dude, he was a different breed. He's He calmed down a lot. But, yeah, back then, it was no messing around. Sam Pitt is brutal. Uh, the yeah. first time we did change of direction in there, everyone's feet, because the sand gets into your shoes. Absolutely. And it's like, it's it just destroys your feet. Everyone's yeah. socks were off, covered in blood. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah, it oh. was it was bad. And then if you do it before the lift, it's like, yeah. It so just... yeah, that's the one distinct Smitty story I remember for sure. Besides the making us run and slide with weight vests on, and you know we had you the need to commission like and, uh, a a painting or something of Smitty standing there in the rain. Yeah, seriously. Like it, man, it was we had some. <laughs> oh, you know what? I got a better one. I got a better one. This is more for the fans, so you can laugh at Gerald. Um, I think we all know there was a running back from Palestine, Texas that came to OU. He might be a Hall of Famer, I don't know. A little guy named Adrian Peterson. He, uh, my first year at OU, we did the freshman workouts, and then they split us up into the vet groups. For some reason, because I was so highly ranked as a defender, he put me with the linebackers, uh, linebackers, running backs, tight, end. there was tight ends, you know, that group. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm looking around like, why am I in here? All my other D-line freshman classmates went to the D-line and O-line group. Why am I in here? And it's like, come on, big dog. Hey, are you like them? Are you like them? I was like, no, nah, I ain't like them, but I would like to be over there. Like, he's like, no, 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 you in this group. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, all right. So we do 600-yard shuttles. Our first time with the vets, 600-yard shuttles. And y'all know, mm. come on, man. These is not like the 50s turning. No, these is like the full 600 long run. <laughs> he says, all right, big dog, you up there with the running backs. I said, the running backs? He was like, keep up with AD. <laughs> oh, he didn't give me no warning. He didn't give me nothing. I said, keep up with AD. And he just yelled, go. I was running so slow. He yelled, Gerald, are you even running? I wasn't. I was like, <laughs> AD finished so fast. He finished all six of his and then ran and came and got me and was like pushing me. Like that. I said, man, listen, this is not for me. Like, put me over there. And then he put me with the lineman group and I was just fine. I'm running past everybody and I'm like, man. Why was I over here in the first place? I ain't never been fast. Like I can see if I was fast. It's stupid. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. That's that's so good. All right, last one, man. I'll let you get out of here. This comes from at everything OU. Mm-hmm. Favorite on field moment in college. Uh favorite on field moment in college. Hmm. That's a tough one, man. That is tough, man. I went to you won OU. a lot of games. I went to OU, man. Like, this is <laughs> – we have a lot of those. Uh, I'm trying to think of one for me, though. Uh, I won't say favorite, but one of the most memorable is my first actual – like, getting my first sack at OU. Um, we was playing Missouri. Chase Daniels. A lot of people don't know Chase Daniels in college was a dog, man. Mm-hmm. Chase Daniels was that guy, and they came down to – uh play us in Norman and we ran like this Oki package where you got your two ends, your D lineman moved to the edge, play D ends. You got the D tackle that's right over the center. Then some, one of your linebackers stand up and he kind of roam around. Um, And we ran a, a zone blitz. They blitzed off the edge. I was supposed to cross the center's face and then when the guard slammed down, I could keep crossing. So I crossed his face and beat the guard, came around, and Chase was looking the other way, came around, got my first sack. Um, that was such a relief because Barry, <laughs> Barry Swisser told me, he was like, uh, yeah, man, you got to, uh, if you're going to play here, man, you got to get to quarterback. I'm like, freaking, hey. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I had red shirted, and we was, that was like four or five games in. I still hadn't got a sack yet. But that kind of opened Pandora's box for me. And once I did that, once I got that sack, I had a really, really good game. I had like two more TFLs, two two passes deflected, and, you know, that kind of took me. Then I won like freshman, newcomer of the year and all of that. So uh, I'll say that moment for sure was big for me because it let me know, man, you can play this game because it was Missouri. And I don't think people realize Missouri might have been at the time either number one or in the top five. They were number one. They was number one, yeah. So uh, that was huge for me, especially with knowing Chase Daniels being who he was. That was big for me. That's that's an awesome story. Man, you're the best. I love catching up. You – 
You just put me in a good mood, man. Every time I'm around you, you put me in a good, good mood. Energy. And I I cannot wait to see where the acting thing goes. Man, yeah, hey, man. Good luck with it. I if <laughs> hey, there's if there's anything wife, I know about you, man, you're gonna succeed at it. My wife tell me all the time, she said, Listen, you need to hurry up and do this acting thing because what you doing at home ain't hey, listen. I you she, <laughs> she tell me all the time, you definitely gonna be a good actor because I can tell you lying right now. I just I <laughs> I just, I, you know, it is what it is. So, yes, I got to take this, what I'm doing at home, and put it on camera. Yeah. You're the man. Thanks for the time, bro. I love y'all, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. I am. It Are the expectations too high? I expect him to win an Oscar now. Well, he's he's got a process the way he handles everything. He doesn't He doesn't just go halfway in. You heard him say that. He likes to go all the way. And. I think he's going to. I think he'll do just fine, man. He's got good ideas. He's obviously a connoisseur of the industry, so he knows enough people to to get some opportunities. I bet he does really well. Yeah, and I, I think you're going to see him on a lot of NFL stuff as well, right? Doing studio shows and stuff like. He's just he's great on camera. Uh, the the personality, like the energy, it's just he's perfect. He's perfect. I think he's going to have a wildly successful post-playing career in he's the best man all right we cannot leave <laughs> without doing birthday shout outs ted i mean come on right i know it I come know on it. happy 11th birthday to oh boy madia m-a-u-d-a-i madia yeah madia rue hamilton happy 11th birthday madia happy birthday to richard leonard and happy 17th anniversary to David and Leslie Blaze. And on that note, episode 314 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius X and Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have an awesome rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. And until next time. We appreciate all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more